Are you ready to accelerate the growth of your business? Welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. This is the place for business owners, sales leaders, and marketing professionals to get ideas and inspiration to drive exponential revenue growth. Each week, you'll get actionable insights from the world's leading marketing and sales thought leaders and practitioners. Are you ready to grow? Let's join our host, Daryl Amy, author of Revenue Growth Engine. Welcome back to the Revenue Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Amy, trailblazer and growth architect. If you want to be one of the elite sales reps in the top 1%, you're in the right place today. We've got best-selling author Anthony Iannarino here to share powerful ideas from his latest book, Elite Sales Strategies. Get ready to take some notes and be inspired. Today's episode is brought to you by Convergo, a team helping entrepreneurial companies develop and build revenue growth engines. If you want to accelerate your growth while building processes that allow the growth to be sustainable, you'll want to meet the team at Convergo. Just go to www.convergo.co to learn how other entrepreneurial companies are growing faster. Well, let me tell you, you are in for a treat today. Our guest, Anthony Iannarino, is a highly respected international speaker, best-selling author, entrepreneur, and sales leader specializing in complex B2B sales, uh, sales transactions. He is the founder and managing partner of two closely held family-owned businesses in the staffing industry. And Anthony is best known for his work at the Sales Blog, which is a phenomenal blog. You need to follow this, where every day he is publishing articles that are helping sales, strategy, uh, sales reps become at uh, the top of their game and bringing new ideas all the time. He's the designer of Level 4 Value Creation, and the building consensus methodologies. And he is the author of the new bestseller, Elite Sales Strategies, a guide to being one up, creating value, and becoming truly consultative. Anthony, welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. It's great to have you here. I, I feel like I should be interviewing you about this book because <laughs> you and I had, you were there when I delivered the, the speech at Outbound, and you and I had a, a number of conversations about it. And I think you liked it more than I liked it at the time. I think I may, that may be true right now. And uh, Anthony, I, I loved, you know, when this was coming together and we were at Outbound last year. And by the way, Outbound's coming up, everybody. If you haven't got your tickets to the Outbound conference, you need to do that. It's coming up in September and I'm looking forward to it. But, you know, it was, it was amazing because when I heard you talk about the concept of becoming one up in sales it was like a light bulb went on immediately. And I said, this, make, this makes sense. I get it. Um, but as we get started, though, I got to introduce people to this book because I heard you deliver the talk and, and then, boom, all of a sudden it became a book, which I devoured. But what was so great about this book, Anthony, is I picked it up. It was at the top of my stack to read when I got back from Mount Everest. And the book starts with your journey to Mount Everest Base Camp. So, I mean, the synergy and alignment there, I'm, you're, you're speaking my love language. It's funny because I, I remember sending you an, a, a note on LinkedIn before you went saying, power bars. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I owe you a lot for that. You want to take food with you. Like you, you want to make sure that you make it back down off of that mountain. It's amazing. Well, unpack for us what you learned 
uh, regarding sales and being one up on your experience at Mount Everest Base Camp and your journey well, you, there? You now already know the experience that I was having at that time. So you came up from the side of on India's side and I mm -hmm. came up on on Tibet side. So when I flew into Lhasa, Tibet, we never descended. So I got out of the airplane at 15,000 feet. So there was no adjustment. Yeah. And you are really trying to get air into your lungs. You've never experienced anything like that, or at least I haven't. And uh, I had prepared for this by getting altitude sickness medicine, knowing that this is probably going to happen because I've never been up that high before. And I took the medicine and I was taking it every day like I was prescribed. And when we got to Mount Everest, we went to base camp one on the Tibetan side. That's 17,200 feet up. And it takes three days to get there. So that's why I brought the power bars because I thought I may not be able to eat what other people are eating because I'm not used to this kind of food and their bacteria and all that stuff. But when we got there, we had the Sherpa. Mm -hmm. And the Sherpa watched me try to walk up this little hill. Like it's a little hill. Like it's not anything that should cause you any problems. But at 17,200, it did. And I started to get like I had tingling already. My face is tingling. My hands are tingling. My legs are tingling. It's like your whole body went to sleep, you know, so you feel that all over. And the Sherpa looked at me and he said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's a long list. But right now I said, I'm sick and I'm, I'm taking altitude sickness medicine and it's not helping me. And I feel really bad. And he said, where'd you get the altitude sickness medicine? And I said, I got it from my doctor. He prescribed it. And he said, you're allergic to it. Okay, so how does he know this? He's a Sherpa. And I have to tell you a little bit for people to understand this. I was in his house before we went out to Mount Everest. Uh, there's donkeys and chickens on the first floor. There's a pot belly stove. There's a hole so the smoke can come out of the roof. His family really lives on the second level. And on the outside, the family has taken yak dung and they've turned it into patties and they've insulated the whole house inside and outside walls to keep the heat in. So that's what they do. So I'm now taking the advice of a human being that did not go to high school or college. He has no medical degrees at all. And he's got yak dung under his fingers. And I look at this and I'm thinking, Zimmerman's never been to Mount Everest. Like he doesn't know what Mount Everest is like. He has no clue. He's never been here. He's probably never left Ohio, to be honest with you. And I think to myself, I'm taking advice from somebody who has no experience. And now I'm talking to somebody who has experience of bringing people up to 17,200 feet all the time. He's seen this before. Mm -hmm. And so I immediately throw the altitude sickness medicine in a trash can. And he said, do you know what your problem is? And I said, uh, no, what's my problem? He goes, you walk too slow. You got to walk a lot faster so you could get more air coming into your body and you're going to feel better. And I'm like, I can hardly get up this hill now. He's like, you got to work harder. So I start walking faster. And then about 10 minutes later, the tingling is going away because I now have oxygen in my body. And I, I was stunned by this revelation that this person who knows nothing that you or I would call an education, right? has a different kind of education than we have. He's got knowledge and experience that's unavailable to me because I've never been up to 17,200 feet and I've never seen Mount Everest before. 
at the point of this, it, it causes me to recognize he knows things that I don't know that are very, very helpful to me. And this is where I realized the idea of one up. And the reason that this idea is so attractive to me is because we're as salespeople in the same role. Like mm -hmm. we have to know something that the client doesn't know. And the way that we help them get better results is by sharing our information and our knowledge with them so that they can have the same experience that we have without having to have that experience. So it, it struck me like, how do you realize that somebody knows more than the other person when you're sitting across from someone who is also one up in their industry, by the mm -hmm. way? Mm -hmm. So uh, it struck me as the right thing to teach, to try to get people to understand sort of what a modern sales approach looks like. The information that we have relied on for a very long time is now on the website. Mm -hmm. So you want to tell me about the history of your, your company? It's on the website. You want to tell me about your clients on the website, your products and services that you inflate and call a solution? It's on the website. Like the, It's a product or a service. That's what it is. But we call it a solution so that we can say, if you have a problem, I have the solution. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that's what we're actually doing here. We've done it for at least 34 years mm -hmm. and some of the legacy approaches for 55. So when you start to look at this and you realize we've had the same conversation with them, not me or you, all of us as salespeople in the same way. And we all think we're differentiating, but we're differentiating in the exact same way our competitors are differentiating. My company's the best, our clients are the biggest and best and our products and services are the best. I heard that from every single person that sat across from me. And now you're going to tell me that again. And then what are you going to ask me, Dare? As soon as you're done with that, what are you going to want to ask? Oh, Anthony, what keeps you up at night? What challenges <laughs> exactly. are you facing in your business today? Exactly. And what are the implications of those? And then I would say something like, Daryl, is it your third day on the job? Like, are, <laughs> are you not an expert at this? <laughs> when you called me and asked me to come out here and talk to me, you didn't already know what my problems and the implications were? Like, what kind of a salesperson are you exactly? Why are you wasting my time? And I think this yeah. is what was so powerful to me about the book is, is realizing that as sales professionals, and, and I confessed before the call, so I'm going to confess out loud here, Anthony. Um, I've started in 2004 sales training, doing solution selling. And at the very same time, you can read about it in Revenue Growth Engine, my backstory. Uh, it's on the website too. Is, um, you know, I also started a content marketing company. And so, you know, here we are now at a juncture where, you know, spin and all of this stuff has been around longer than some salespeople have been alive. Yeah. And in content marketing and the internet, you know, has been around longer than some sales professionals have been alive. And yet we think we can still go out and ask these questions of what keeps you up at night, what challenges you're facing, and, you know, and go through the whole spin thing um, and, and somehow, you know, get to a, a great result when everyone else is doing the same thing in a yeah. information flooded world. Yeah. There's got to be a better way. Yeah. The better way is to recognize that you're one up. Okay. So this is pretty easy to understand if you start with where I start in the book, which is information disparity. Mm-hmm. The information disparity has shifted, and then there's also the environment has shifted dramatically. So the things that we used to tell them, like we're, we needed to tell you about the company at some point in time, 
because you didn't know anything about the company and you would want to know like, well, who are they? What do they do? Mm-hmm. Okay. So a salesperson could help you with that. And what kind of clients do you work with? They could help you with that. What kind of products and services and how do you help people? They could help you with that. There's no internet. Now there's the internet. So all that's gone, mm-hmm. but still you will still hear people say there's now perfect parity between the, the buyer and the salesperson. And it's impossible. It's impossible because they're lacking the experience of going out and helping people get the better results. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain type of intelligence that my Sherpa had that was unavailable to me because I did not have the experience. And I could not get his experience without doing what he does. And it's the same with your customer. So this means the information disparity is now in a different place. Now it's about this experience that we have and our counsel, our advice and our recommendations about what you do about the problems and challenges you have without even having to ask them because you do this every day. Daryl, I keep teasing people with this. They say people only buy when they have a problem and pain. Okay, well then when I ask them, uh, how long has this been going on? And they say 18 months. Apparently that doesn't compel them to change. Right. Apparently it doesn't. So that's one of the things. And so I ask if, if you just need a, a problem, what happens when you walk in and you, the client says, uh, Daryl, listen, here's our primary problem. Uh, we're growing so fast. Our parking lot's not big enough and people are parking in the grass and it's really making everybody miserable. You like that one? You, do you want to try to solve that with what, uh, what you do as a profession? It's not a very good problem, right? So Jimmy in accounting has a bad attitude. What are you going to do about that? Like you have such a narrow window of things that you solve that you have to already know what they are and you have to already know what the implications are. Now, you're still going to ask questions right? because you're one down too. Even though you're one up as it pertains to the better results, you're one down when it comes to this client, their business, what they can do, how they need to do it. So you're going to have still to ask a lot of questions, but it's not the questions that we've been asking for a long time. I'm describing this environment right now as the ACDC environment, accelerated, constant, disruptive change. Mm -hmm. That's where we are. Mm -hmm. So when that's true, people are uncertain. And when they're uncertain, they get paralyzed and they mostly freeze and say, you know what, we're going into a recession or maybe we have this high inflation. Let's just stop everything right now totally the wrong thing to do. Like the right right thing to do is to start adjusting and do everything you can to move forward. But when you don't know what the right answer is, it's easy to say, let's just wait this out. Right. So your information disparity is how do I explain the uncertainty to them? How do I make sense out of this environment? And how do I give them the confidence that they will have negative consequences if they don't do something, but they can have positive outcomes if they decide to make a decision to get better results now and start moving in that direction. I love it. One of the things that I think is what you bring up the ACDC side of things where it is uncertain, there is a lot of uh, freak out happening right now and, yeah. and it's paralyzing. Fear is paralyzing. I thought it was staggering that Gartner's research that I, I just read last week and cited last week was at 38% of stuff ends in no decision. Like it gets stuck in the pipeline. These are companies that started down the road of trying to find a better outcome and couldn't come to consensus. And what I thought was really interesting 
about elite sales strategies. And by the way, uh, if you haven't already hit pause and bought this book, do it right now. Go buy Elite Sales Strategy. You're going to thank me for it. Um, but what what I thought was really powerful was the concept of saying, let's you know, there's there's the there's there's the decision about the product or service you sell, but then there's another level higher, and that's how you make a decision yeah. and how you get this buying team, which continues to grow, and people are afraid. Yeah. There's more people on the buying team now. How do you get people to think about? how they make the decision so that they can actually make a decision and yeah. move forward. Yeah, that's that's the best question ever. I mean, that, that's what we're really trying to solve as salespeople and, and people who do what we do for a profession. So one of the things that's interesting to me <clears throat> is that when you start thinking about the sales conversation, what most people are doing is pointing at nouns. There's my company. There's our CEO. There's our clients. There's our product. That does nothing to help anybody make a decision at all. Okay. It doesn't tell them what factors they should consider, how they should weigh them, who needs to be in room for per certain conversations, what order those need to go in. And we describe this strategy as vantage point. Like okay. you you're bringing people up the mountain like the Sherpa every single day. So who should know the best way to get to the top of the mountain or make that decision? The person who does it every single day with different companies and has a perspective that's different than the clients. So your client makes this decision, what, every five years, seven years, uh, ERP, maybe 20 years if they can get away with it, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have this experience doing it every day. Which one should be leading us up? If you let the client lead, they go right off the edge of the mountain, uh, Daryl. That's what happens because they don't know. If we don't bring in these people early enough and they fall behind, they're going to say, this isn't right for us. We haven't had the right conversations. We're not sure it's going to work. We don't want to do it. <clears throat> and that's because of the process is not right. Mm -hmm. So the salesperson has to tell the client what conversations they need to have and in what order. Instead of thinking that, you know, my criticism of a, a, a friend of ours is he said out loud, you should sell the way buyers buy. Well, that's not a very good idea. <laughs> like they're not very good all at all over the place now, this right? Why, yeah. This is why they don't make decisions. And mm -hmm. if you look at the data, uh, Daryl, on the buyer's remorse, it's mm -hmm. something like eighty-two percent have buyer's remorse after they make a decision, yeah. and it's because the salesperson used a legacy approach, didn't teach them how to make the right decision, didn't teach them the things that they were going to have to change on their side for it to work. And then they're disappointed and they say salespeople are terrible. Hmm. Well, it's not terrible. It's just we're using the way that we sell is not the way that we should be selling right now because it was designed for a different time. So you look at something like Sandler is 55 years old. Mm -hmm. So you hear something like, <clears throat> don't drop your jelly beans on the office floor, which means don't do free consulting. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> is that a good idea today? It's the yeah. worst idea you could ever imagine right now today, right? If you're not going to teach me how to make the decision and you're not going to create value for me, I'll find somebody else who will. Like there's so many people, there's so much competition. If you don't want to be one up, your competitors are going to want to be one up and they're going to be happy to go in and, and create value in that sales conversation. So the, one of the critical parts of this is this understanding of the sales conversation. Mm -hmm. That's all you have. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. You have a sales conversation. You're a salesperson. That's all you have. You don't have the product. You don't have the service. None of those nouns that you like to point at are available to create value for that client. So what they're expecting is that you're the value proposition. And that means that you have to be truly consultative, giving them the counsel, the advice, and the recommendations that ensure that they can make a decision and that it produces the better results that they need. Yeah, and I like that concept of consulting around, going back to how to make the decision. So it's not, you know, we thought in solution selling, it was like, you got a problem, we got a solution, let's, you know, let's wire it together. But now it's it's that not <laughs> up about how to how to how do you make that decision? We've helped other people make this decision and feel good about it and get get the results. The thing this brings up, and I, this past spring, I read Brent Adamson's article in Harvard Business Review about <laughs> sense making, and I yeah. was really thrilled to find this unpacked in the middle of the book, chapter five, your role as a sense maker, which this is you know. We're talking about complex B2B buying environments, multiple decision makers and influencers, a flood of information, some conflicting, overwhelmed buyers in an yeah. ACDC environment of fear. Yeah. How, you know, they want to move forward, but there's, you know, this role, I think the new frontier of selling now is sense making. I think this is something we're going to be talking about for the next 20 years, maybe 30 years from now, someone will be on the podcast long if we're long after we're gone going, yeah, sense making that's so 2022. Yeah. But I think that sense making is like the essence of where we need to be in B2B selling right now. So I, I, I love uh, Brent and uh, he makes it way more complicated than I think it has to be mm -hmm. uh, in his article. It's worth reading for sure. Mm -hmm. I've read it a number of times. Uh, I, I work with salespeople, so I need mm -hmm. practical, tactical, actionable. And yep. so break it down. Like, what's the information? What's the value to the client? What's the time that it's going to be valuable to them? What's the strategies that they need to start executing? Mm -hmm. And so I, I like everything to be actionable. So I, I don't want it to be a concept. I want it to be something where you start looking at the insights that you have and start figuring out how to teach the client what they need to know so that they can get the better results. And a lot of this is to address the ACDC environment mm -hmm. is to teach them, you know, these are why these things are going on and here's what we can still do. And, and that's really an important part of this. Yeah, I think so. And <laughs> as sales, and that's why, by the way, I love chapter five of this book. And so uh, listeners, when you get this book, um, you're going to enjoy chapter five because you take concept of sense making and you make it it makes sense. Like here's how you actually yeah. would do that practically. And I think this is really powerful to walk into a conversation, not with a bunch <laughs> of discovery questions, but actually with a point of view and yeah. some strategic insights to actually help the client begin to make sense of all this. To me, this is, you know, this is the new frontier of selling and the, the ideas in this book, I just got to say, Anthony Art, um, I mean, this is this is something that I'll be going back through over and over again. I think sales teams will be um, studying for years to come because we've got to do something different. They they need to position better. So, <clears throat> in the last two weeks, I've had five clients tell me their salespeople can't get from the first meeting to a second meeting. Ask a few questions after that, you find out it's a legacy approach. The client didn't feel any value. 
If the client doesn't feel like it's valuable, then they're going to say no to the next meeting. That's right. And if you show up and you have a perspective and you have insights and a way to make sense out of the ACDC environment, then people go, oh, okay. And they start leaning forward. They normally are leaning back because you're telling them a boring story about your founder or your investors or whatever it is that they don't really have any concern with at all. They're mostly concerned about their business and what they can do. And you can just start right there with them. And I started doing this, Daryl, in 2001. Mm -hmm. I had a client I couldn't get to change. And I briefed them with 100 slides. Actually, briefing is too, too kind of a word. I bludgeoned <laughs> them. I bludgeoned <laughs> them until they gave up and believed what I said was true. Yeah. Like, oh, you need to see another slide? I have right. another slide. I will keep going until you've seen every slide. drown in data. <clears throat> I tried that. And uh, I changed their minds. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is the first time that it ever happened to me that I had a client that said, can I have a copy of that slide deck? Like mm -hmm. that was the first time because no one ever asked for the one with our building on the front of it. You know that they know what no one cares. I said, why do you need it? And he said, I'm going to brief our executive leadership team this afternoon. And that would be really handy to have. And I said, all right, I'll give it to you. And he said, take your logo off first. And I'm like, it's like third grade when Paul Grady stole my homework, you know, like I got no credit for it. And, and until the, uh, somebody showed the teacher that he erased my name, mm -hmm. uh, which is a long name. So there's a lot of erasing to do. No doubt. He called me two hours later and gave me $2 million to solve his problem. And that's when I started to see something that I hadn't seen. And I would love to tell you like the next day I threw everything away and I, this was my, my practice. It wasn't, I went to Cincinnati I went to see a company called Takumi. They, they make auto parts. And the guy sitting across from me, I reached in to give my laptop and he said, you don't need the laptop. And I, I said, well, I've got a presentation on here I wanna show you. And he said, uh, I'm not gonna look at a presentation. I'm just gonna ask you some questions. And if you do well, I'll probably hire you to help us. And I said, on that, slide deck that I want to show you. It's going to explain all of our processes and goes, don't open it. <laughs> so I put it, I put it back away and we talked for an hour. He had a, a legal pad full of questions. Maybe a month or two later, a friend of mine called me and he said, I walked into the boardroom where we're supposed to give the presentation and I plugged in my laptop and the senior leader said, if you so much as open that laptop, I will throw your ass out of here. <laughs> and I'm like, People hate slide decks. I didn't know, like, but they hate them. And <laughs> what they don't like is this boring recitation right. you know, of these facts about the business and all these other things. They want to get into the conversation to determine, can you help us get a better result or not? And we're trying to decide who we're going to choose. Everybody's doing the same thing. And about maybe four or five months later, I realized, why aren't we just briefing people and teaching them <laughs> that everything that they believe is wrong? Like, why don't we show them the data so they will change their minds? Right. And then from there, I threw everything else away. And I'm like, this is just going to be the way that we talk. We're just going to talk about what you need to do if you want to get those results. And it turns out that's the right answer for the client. Like, we're looking for help figuring out how to do this. Who's an expert? Who's one up? And to be one up means you know more than your client does about these results in this decision. I love it doesn't it. mean that you're, you have, uh, you're one up in every single category. You're one down in almost everything. Yeah. Uh, and when you realize you're one down in everything, then you start reading books and you start going to people who are one up and ask them if you can, they can speed your 
your development. I mean, that, yeah. that's how it works. So that is the general concept. And I think the more you realize that you're one down, the faster you become one up. I love it. I love it. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for sharing time today. Thank you for putting this together. This is just pure brilliance. And I know um, already there's all kinds of conversations sparked around this book. This is going to be one we're talking about for years to come. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You, you and, have a small part in this story because you were so hyped up about it. You got me hyped up about it. I and did. Then, I'm, and then I, I'm still fired up a year later. <laughs> And then Shannon from uh, Wiley was there and she said, I think we should make that a book. And I said, Daryl thinks so too. Boom. Absolutely. <laughs> there we go. Absolutely. Well, Anthony, congratulations. Thanks for sharing time today and best wishes as uh, you continue to spread the word. Thanks for having me on. You bet. And thank you to everyone else in the Revenue Growth Podcast audience. This is a fantastic growing audience of sales professionals, marketing professionals, business leaders that are dedicated to driving growth. In this environment, what Anthony calls the ACDC environment, this is where we've got to put our heads together, get strategic, and really focus in on what can we do to drive revenue growth in a time of uncertainty. So thank you for participating. Thank you for being part of the conversation. Thank you for sharing uh, the podcast and leaving reviews. It helps us spread the word. We've got a lot of exciting guests coming up in the months to come. So make sure to like or subscribe. And until next time, let's get going and let's get growing. Would you like to get complimentary access to the Revenue Growth Engine audiobook? Just text the word revenue to 21,000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book. You'll get instant access to the audiobook so you can get ideas to help you grow your revenue so you can scale your impact. Text the word revenue to 21,000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book to get instant access. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found ideas to help you drive exponential revenue growth so your business can make more of an impact. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to like or subscribe. It also helps us spread the word if you'd be kind enough to leave a review. Of course, we'd love it if you would share this with your friends. Together, we are growing revenue so we can scale our impact.